Warning! This show contains adult themes and language, including a totally spontaneous gathering for some light insurrection. Disevidentia is an inability to reliably process evidence, and this is a podcast all about it. This episode was released on January 31st, 2022? And we are discussing disevidentia because it is clear millions of people who think Antifa did January 6th are suffering from it. I am Squeaky. And I am Mako. Wait, isn't this really similar to last time? I mean, I feel like we do introductions every episode. But like, word for word? Wait, you should be hearing this on or after February 8th. Huh. Did we... Wait, what did we say? We said the 31st, I think. Oh, that's wrong. Huh. Maybe it's because this is the first time we've had enough material that we've had to cut it into two parts. I mean, you did like 15 weeks of research for the Anunnaki episode. And... Uh, 15. Well, like maybe five. I don't know. Maybe it was 15. I don't know anymore. What is the world? I don't know. What is life? <laughs> well, let's try to keep this one brief because uh, it's going to be extra on top of the uh, normal episodes that we're putting out. So moving right into some of the stuff we'd normally discuss, things like corrections. We actually did get a correction. We accidentally said... That Fauci was a part of the CDC. I just kind of meant that he was the face of American medicine. I I was sloppy. I should have said better there, and I could have. Yeah, I was just taking it for granted because Fauci and the CDC are often lumped together in COVID misinformation, and I just took that for granted. Thanks to Class of Broadway on our Discord for calling us out there. Dr. Fauci is actually the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and the chief medical advisor to the president. And as a physician with the National Institutes of Health. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he is an important doctor and in charge of or important to everything except the CDC. <laughs> I'm still important to the CDC, but yeah. not officially. He's not a part of the CDC payroll. Okay, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Watch as we double check and turns out he is on the payroll somehow. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I suppose that's possible, but th that's not what's printed as a part of his title. CDC does not appear in any of his titles or professional affiliations. So we did have to record another segment because just after we recorded, it came out that Rudy Giuliani was responsible for the fake electors. And we talked a little bit, a little bit about that in episode 26. And we do have that leftover segment from the Oath Keepers. So we're going to run that now, and then we'll talk about Rudy and the Electors? Yes. Okay. Guitar riff. It would have been more productive if you just gave it five seconds of silence. The Oath Keepers did play a major role in this. And maybe they, did, they weren't in on the whole coup thing, but I'm sure you've got something. Uh, yeah, the, the Proud Boys was something that a group that was brought up by Trump himself. In fact, what the timeline for on Wikipedia, the very first day in the Wikipedia timeline is when Trump told the Proud Boys to stand down and stand by. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, but other than the Proud Boys, which has gotten plenty of media attention up to this point, a group that I personally, at least, haven't seen show up in the media nearly as much is the Oath Keepers. Oath Keepers, uh, well, the, the TLDR is that they're whack jobs. A little bit more detailed. <laughs> they're whack jobs. Do go on. <laughs> A little bit more detailed. Wikipedia describes Oath Keepers as, quote, 
an American far-right anti-government militia whose members claim to be defending the Constitution of the United States. Are they also white supremacists? Not outspokenly, but yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if most of their members were white supremacists. Okay. Do we see any black Oath Keepers ever? I don't see very many Oath Keepers in the first place. Like, I see their names in text, but I I can't say I've seen very many pictures of them. Okay. Like, I know that they were there... That day being Steve Bannon's bodyguards. Yes. Uh, so that's one of the things that they sh- keep showing up doing is providing armed security for things that they feel that the government or local law enforcement is simply too timid or unwilling or incapable of performing. So they've been present at a lot of protests. These guys training in their backyards are going to be more capable. <laughs> Uh, well, sorry, sorry. The thought process for them is that they they fill in where there is no police presence. So by that logic, that actually fits pretty well. If you, having some police presence is better or having a poorly trained police presence is better than no police presence. The only problem is these guys are, well, violent whack jobs. They're not really police. Even though th- that's kind of their mentality, they do show up at places where there already are police. And the, we have seen police chiefs say that their presence is inflammatory and unnecessary. Uh, I believe that particular quote came from uh, Ferguson. They were present at Ferguson. Oh, you mean the race riots in that city that had a real problem with police killing black people. Yeah. So a lot of the times when they do show up at a lot of these protests, uh, if they're not bodyguarding a person, their stated goal is to protect businesses. Oh, so the same thing Kyle Rittenhouse claimed. Yes. Oh, great. Yes. So uh, they're very, very outspokenly uh, anti-BLM and Antifa. Oh, yes. Let's let's hate on the notion that a certain kind of people matter <laughs> and the idea that isn't an organized group or anything. They're just people who are anti-fascist. So recently, just going over a list of things that they've been involved with, uh, and specifically have the first one I'm going to do a little bit out of order because it pertains to their stance on BLM. So this is text from Wikipedia. Quote, following the deaths during protests in Kenosha and the George Floyd protests in Portland, Oregon, Rhodes, who is a prominent member of the Oath Keepers, referred to Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters as attempting an open communist insurrection. So this is a sentiment that I've seen people try to echo on Reddit a couple of times where they're like, well, you can't say the capital attack is an insurrection because if you do, you have to say BLM is an insurrection. Other than being completely stupid, <laughs> this argument falls apart for a number of reasons. There's only BLM's never raided the capital. Yeah, that's one. But there have been BLM protests that have gotten violent and they, they've done significant damage to police stations. Oh yeah, totally. Let's let's attack police, the decision-making authorities for whole towns. That's not an insurrection. <laughs> if you look at the uh, provided the definition of an insurrection, let's just pull that up. Yeah, sure. But we're getting into playing word games. BLM's never tried to take over a town or a city or anything. Sure. If the definition includes interfering with the lawful function of a government, then yeah, attacking a police station is an insurrection. But insurrection that's not a useful definition. is defined as a violent uprising against an authority or government. I'm pointing this out because I have to acknowledge the one narrow, dumb fucking thread where this is technically correct. But it's not usefully correct. Yes, exactly. Fighting against an authority. Well, that means that every time a child hits their mother, that's an insurrection. That's an insurrection, yes. By the same logic these people are trying to deploy. Ugh. Okay, okay. So. <sighs> <laughs> I'm, 
I know I started a podcast to fight against this, but it hurts every time I see it. I'm not immune. All right, the headache's almost gone. Give me a second. Okay, so when we're arguing with people on Reddit about this, I like to try to stick to the facts. And the facts very much support that black people get shot and are killed way more than white people when encountering cops. Mm -hmm. And then people like to try to say shit like the votes were encountered correctly and then it degenerates or it descends into, well, look, there's an audit going on in Arizona or whatever. But if a holistic look at the evidence and you see that Trump lost, we should have a peaceful transfer of power. One of these is an insurrection that's stupid and the other one is people fighting to literally not die. Yeah, there's also just the problem of trying to compare an overall movement com- versus a singular event. Like, yeah. You're trying to if you're trying to claim an entire movement. If you're trying to claim that the notion of BLM, that Black Lives Mattering, is an insurrection. That's objectively and totally fucking stupid. Yeah. You might say one of the protests where they burned down a Wendy's, because they're an authority on making burgers in that part of town, <laughs> is an insurrection. Because they did. And I guess fuck that Wendy's. I'm pretty sure it's more about the police stations. <laughs> yeah, but the police station was still was like left after that. The Wendy's was gone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. Nope, it's a fire now. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Back to the Oath Keepers. Oh, back to the fucking Oath Keepers. Okay, so yeah, at those protests, they made that absurd statement. They were present for the Bundy Ranch standoff in 2014. Well, that resolved totally peacefully. It's not like they had to shoot leaders to, oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah, people died. Uh, I believe that the Oath Keepers actually like pulled out before the shooting started, but I'm not entirely clear on that. I've heard that as well. Yeah. And again, the opening arguments podcast, they are so on top of a lot of these legal matters. Yeah. But uh, it's my understanding that the Oath Keepers saw that they were worried that there was going to be a drone strike. So they pulled out and the other white supremacists there called them cowards and then got shot. (laughs) (laughs) For whatever else is going on through the Oath Keepers heads, they know how to avoid getting shot immediately. That's something. Yeah, let me get that source real quick. Sure. Oh, there's a new one as of yesterday. Activision, Microsoft, and Monopoly Law. Cool. Looks like it happened in episode 560 of Opening Arguments. But whatever the correct episode is, I'll make sure to include a link to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oath Keepers, another thing that they attended, the Sugar Pine Mine standoff in 2015. I'm I'm not not actually familiar with that one. Okay, let's do a really quick overview of that. 2015, armed Oath Keepers in the Pacific Northwest attended two disputes between gold miners and federal authorities. In April, they gathered in Medford, Oregon, at the request of owners of the Sugar Pine Mine near Gallus, after the owners were ordered to stop working the mine by the Bureau of Land Management. In August, they patrolled the White Hope Mine in Helena National Forest, about 20 miles from Lincoln, Montana. The U.S. Forest Service said miners had engaged in illegal construction and tree felling. Oh, so people were breaking the law. The law said, hey guys, stop breaking the law. And then the Oath Keeper's like, nah, it's our country. We're going to violate it if we want. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, do you remember who Kim Davis is? I really should, but right now I don't recall. Rowan County, Kentucky clerk, after they legalized same-sex marriage, who refused to give <sighs> out uh, certificates, marriage certificates to same-sex couples. Yeah. Uh, Did they provide physical security to her somewhere? No, but they did offer to provide physical security to Kim Davis publicly. Yep, gotta worry about all those gay terrorists coming after you. Yeah. You know, I've never seen that. I've never seen like a militia waving guns around under like a bunch of pride flags. Doesn't seem to happen that often. Yeah. The closest I can get is the Al-Qaeda flag with dildos all over it. Moving on. What? That was a real thing. (laughs) Ah, 
fine. So they were also present, of course, this is why we bring them up, for the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Oh, were they there to keep the, the people back and keep them from invading the Capitol and defend the Constitution? Of course not. Oh, why would a group called the Oath Keepers ever be interested in defending an oath? Mm. Yeah, that's just silly. <laughs> So, Oath Keepers, the, the full extent with which the Oath Keepers were involved in the January 6th attack is, near as I can tell, unclear. But, because a lot of the information that's been gathered in, regarding their participation has not been publicly released. It has been gathered. It is there. The Justice Department has that information and is acting on it. Initially, the Justice Department charged 11, first three, and then immediately after an additional eight, 11 members of the Oath Keepers with obstruction. But very, very recently, they have decided to also add the charge of seditious conspiracy. Is that to all 11 of these people or just to Stuart Rose? I believe all leader? 11. It's my understanding. That's amazing. And so sedition is one of those charges that is really, really difficult to get to stick. And most of the time, Justice Department doesn't even bother trying to charge people with that because it has this near impossible benchmark of improving intent. And it pretty much means you, you either need a, a mind reading machine or you need to get communications that would be really easy to hide from inside the group. Yeah. Like if the group only ever met face to face and only talked, you'd never be able to prove it. Pretty much. So they must have like Signal or WhatsApp messages or some other secret communication. These idiots probably planned their shit in Twitter DMs. Maybe. But yeah, the Justice Department feels confident that they they have a good shot at making those charges stick. So they are adding those charges. And that is wow. kind of damning for the information that they have gathered. Well, wouldn't be the first time I've seen the Justice Department charge something and then fail miserably to get the case through. Yes. But this, there's so much evidence for this one that we can see that given their extra resources and subpoena power, I'm sure they've seen a lot more. Almost certainly. That is a, the reasonable takeaway here. So yeah, like shit's fucked, yo. <laughs> it also sounds like just getting these people off the streets really they're out in the middle of like the woods most of the time getting these getting these thugs out of the woods would do the country a lot of good they've been in the streets plenty i like how that's the part you disagree with <laughs> the only part i can disagree with well getting them out of an environment that can be described as anything other than prison just just would them do them some good out of away from civilization but they're able to fuck up the woods <laughs> No, I, I get what you mean. Putting these people behind bars will do everyone a lot of good. Yeah. I mean, at some point also the woods would fuck back, but you know, whatever. Would they? Uh, yeah. Humans beat nature. I mean, we've learned this at this point, haven't we? But Even shitty dumb humans. This is a somewhat small number of humans and yeah, they're dumb. I don't know. I, I feel like it would catch up to them eventually. Dude. They'd be attritioned. Ancient humans wiped out the saber-toothed tiger on our march across the Bering Strait. Yeah, we and they were smarter than these people. What are you not getting? <laughs> Ancient humans with just pointy sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cavemen weren't dumb just because they lived in caves. They just didn't have all the science built on top. Okay. We're taking the dumbest of our society and comparing it to the pinnacle of caveman society. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. So to try to summarize some of this or to, to recap some of this, the big lie is actually just Trump repeatedly lying and claiming elections were falsified. Rigged. Yeah. And that 
is really just bullshit. He's just repeating it. He's the only source for it. He never cites evidence. Because he kept on saying it was rigged over and over and over, people were like, oh my god, maybe it is fucking rigged. So people added so much extra oversight wherever they possibly could get away with. I mean, there were attempts to improve vote security that was shot down by the Republicans repeatedly leading up to the election. But... And that's telling who's shooting it down. Yeah. But everywhere else, because like, the place to improve election security is not just in Congress. Yeah. Every state was doing things as well. And there were multiple audits for any place where there was question about who was so many audits and real audits not the arizona cyber ninja style audits so it was generally considered because of this concern to be the most secure election we've had in recent history yeah and we had every authority on this that mattered every voting company and every auditing company coming out and saying this the only people not saying this were the people who would benefit directly by seizing control of the country yeah so we've got some of the groups involved their level of involvement we have the plan from Trump and his immediate staff that were planning a coup and how all of this played into it and several ways this that this could have played into it. You, you got my rough explanation of one feasible plan, but really there are many plans that could have come from having a mob attack the Capitol, right? There's a lot of possible a- a routes from there to Trump not losing the presidency. And all of this is the big lie. It's one, si- it's one big useful lie that created opportunities and options for a would-be fascist takeover. Yep. And that's the only way I have to describe it. It would be autocracy taking over and using violence to crush dissent. Is there there any other way to look at that? Not really. Not when it was followed to its logical conclusion, anyway. Yeah. And there's a lot of in-between steps where a lot of people can try to paint doubt, but really... The painting doubt's going to be shit. What, are you going to storm the Capitol and then, like, count the votes fairly? (laughs) (laughs) According to them, yeah. I want I want to see like all the Trump supporters barge in, check out the the fake and the real electors, correctly sort them, be like, oh, well, Biden did did win. Would you look at that? <laughs> yeah. Well, my bad. Guess I'm going home now. <laughs> what? Yeah. And every step is as ridiculous as that. It's just not as obvious. Well, I guess we should cut it there. There's a few amusing mental images there. Mm-hmm. I think the most amusing one is getting Trump supporters that can count up to 538. I mean, there's only. Fingers, toes, 20. So Wait, many... Are they wearing sandals? Sure. Yeah, no, it could... was January. Probably not. Okay. They could probably only count to like 10. Well, when you get 27 Trump supporters, you can count to 270 and that's uh, what you need to win. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A lot of media coverage. I'll just knock shit over while you're trying to talk. Uh... We both did some research for... Rudy and his fake electors. Do you want to give an overview, or should I get us started? Or uh, well, depending on how high of a level of an overview all of this. Uh, so I, I, we're still trying to gather information. On all of this. This is pretty fresh information. Well, not that Rudy Giuliani is involved in something crooked. That's really, really old information. But this specific one, uh, we're getting more and more details on the exact nature of his involvement. Uh, so. I don't feel like there's a whole lot that we can say with absolute confidence, but it definitely does seem that Rudy Giuliani was involved in the organizing of fake electors and having those fake electors submit paperwork to Congress to certify their results for Trump instead of Biden. And those uh, fake electors, they came from seven states, New Mexico, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Cheese Place, (laughs) Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona. (laughs) 
<laughs> Fucking cheese place. Fuck it. They're cheese place now. God. <laughs> the first thing I think of when I hear cheese place is not Wisconsin. I mean, context provided that for me in this conversation. But I think of that, that cheese vault that the United States has. The strategic like cheese caves that yes. are scattered across like Appalachia. Yes. Appalachia. The Appalachian Mountains. I, they're all over, man. There's a ton of them. We have Can't... to put a link to the picture of the government cheddar now, don't we? Yes. Okay. I'll make sure I find a picture of the government cheddar and link to it in here. The United States has strategic cheese. But yeah, it was a part of a program to help dairy farmers weather tough economic times. So we paid for extra cheese. Yeah, that's that's the free market or the complete opposite. Yeah, that sounds like a form of welfare. Uh, yeah, we gave welfare. To, okay, moving on. Yep. Let's rag on conservatives for for fraud this moment, not yeah, for yeah, yeah. We'll, double standards. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so plenty of time for that later. On the fake electors, there's actually a lot of weird details going on here. Like, uh, one state actually sent in. Actually, you know, I didn't double check this one. Hmm. I heard that one state sent in two slates of fake electors in addition to the real ones. But Rudy was only in charge of one of those. Yeah, I actually tried to, to look around. You Before you mentioned it was specifically Arizona. And I didn't really find anything concrete on there being two slates of fake electors. Okay, then let's keep that as a dubious claim. I don't want to put my name on saying that's definitely true without more research on our part. That's how fresh this is. Yeah. I did hear that from a reputable news source, I think, MSNBC. But five of the states had people who just put out claims that they were the real electors, and that would be Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, and Wisconsin, while Pennsylvania and New Mexico both had the same overall documents, but they also attached or uh, amended them slightly to say that they were electors in the event that those states' electors were overthrown by the state legislatures or courts. Yeah, the the source that I found talked about exactly this, how those two states had wiggle room in their documents, and the things that they said included language like, it might be determined, or would only be official following a final non-appealable court order, is the more specifically what the language in those documents had. What I'm getting at here is, five of these places, the electors were brave enough to just go ahead and be fraudsters. In these other two places, they were like, uh, we only want the benefits of insurrection if we win. We, we don't want any of the risks, so... Yeah. <laughs> they... DC, what was it? Yeah, New Mexico and Pennsylvania are the two states that were like, well, eh, maybe, maybe not. We want this to happen, but we're not going to try hard at it. But the rest of the states, the they were like, no, we're definitely, this is the correct paperwork. We are submitting our... Uh, election let's go with their votes that's ultimately what it is yeah 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 so yeah all those other states that are not in new mexico pennsylvania they said that these electors are the correct electors we are casting our vote for trump full stop there's it's just objectively wrong and uh, i don't think we really as a country that nominally wants to have the people choosing our leadership have either of these kinds of activities being acceptable. Putting a fine print that says, if something that'll never happen happens, I, I want to do some insurrection or I want to overturn the election. That's uh, that's that's fucked up and like really close to any sort of line. That's uh, it wouldn't fly in any other context. It's it's the legal equivalent of sitting in the back seat of the car on a long road trip and you're hitting your sibling and your parents say stop hitting your sibling so you're waving your hands in front of their face being like ah oh, i'm not i'm not touching you i'm not it's clearly childishly pushing up to the line but still wanting the results of the treason I mean, yeah all right so sources for 
this first bit, that these electors happened and that there's these minor distinctions in some of the details. We've got CNN, uh, Reuters confirms it. Uh, what was the source you had for verifying the Pennsylvania, New Mexico thing? Uh, USA Today. Okay. I see a lot more notes there for USA Today. So what else? I, I always take more notes than... <laughs> than you do. You do, but usually you have some uh, things to say when the notes are that big. Well, the claims that I took notes on. Rudy Giuliani repeatedly spoke to Arizona House Speaker Rusty Bowers. I might have butchered that name. I apologize. I do this a lot. To get him to replace the state electors, and every single time he refused. Uh, 11 Republican electors and 22 state lawmakers signed the document and submitted it to Congress. So it wasn't just the electors signing paperwork that was fraudulent. In that vein, I really like the way that the Huffington Post phrased it. Their statement in their article, which we'll link that also, they said that this plan was so corrupt that a significant number of Republicans backed out of it. I know they're fairly left-leaning, but still, to to give credit like that, that's so backwards and yeah. left-handed, it's kind of awesome. So Rusty Rusty Bowers is one of these people who backed out? Uh, Well, backing out implies that he was in at some point. Or he was approached and he kept refusing. Okay. It is good to see that some politicians didn't go along with this ridiculously corrupt plan. Yeah. I know that politicians often ride lines, but this clearly isn't on any sort of line. This is straight up treason as far as I can tell. I haven't heard anyone with a serious argument that says otherwise. So anyway, the 22 lawmakers that signed the document, uh, they would the document that was signed and this was for the Arizona electors, by the yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. So that document, in addition to it being signed, they asked for Congress to either accept the votes for Trump or, at worst, wait for an audit to accept the results. Oh, which is where the Cyber Ninjas audit came in. Probably. We discussed that one back when it happened, but Arizona had already been audited. Yeah. So, so they were essentially saying, trust us, even though we're not really certified to do this, or wait. But either way, don't trust the actual so, uh, legitimate electors. And there are rules around becoming an auditor. And there are best practices and there are things you need to do to do it correctly. Cyber Ninjas did none of these things. Cyber Ninjas had none of these qualifications. Cyber Ninjas formed seemingly in response to the need for Republicans to have a company to do audits. And they started doing these audits. This audit. Air quotes. You can't hear it over the microphone. Audit. Mm -hmm. But... It was clear that it was full of shit just based on how they were handling things and rules they were passing out. They were constantly leaking memos and, and documents showing how wrong they were about so many of the things and the whole kinematic artifact thing. Or is this, this bullshit? It was made up words? Kinematic means something that's moving? Kinematic artifacts is nothing? And they were searching for kinematic artifacts in the scans uh, that the voting machines made of the of the ballots. Well, no, that's bullshit. There's nothing going on here. Ugh. And even then, the Cyber Ninjas audit, when they realized that Trump wasn't going to win, they backed the fuck out because they either didn't want the legal recourse being attached to, to treason or didn't want to be attached because of the legal recourse of fraud or they didn't get paid. So they backed the fuck out. And that was the big audit that everyone said found more votes for Biden than for Trump. Uh, I keep interrupting you. Yeah, uh -huh. sure. The other note, last note that I took from USA Today was a Arizona state elector for Trump. So this is one of the not legitimate state electors. Uh, Lorraine Pellegrino. I might have butchered that too. That's spelled just like the bottled water. I'll take your word for it. But she claimed that she was only signing the document to be used in case something was overturned. That it was a backup plan that they had prepared. And that is why she signed the document and tries to assert that nothing fraudulent was attempted by it. Which seems a little silly to me. It's like dressing up as a cop. 
and then keeping a note in your pocket that's like, no, I'm not really a cop. Sure, I pulled you over and demanded money for a ticket, but that was only in case you actually pulled over. Just in case. I mean, I'm not sure that's the best example, but you have, you're there to do a particular job. Why are you doing it in advance when you don't know that you're ready to do it? Yeah, the, the preconditions have been met. There's no honest way to do what she's doing. That's The whole yeah. thing's ridiculous. It is completely absurd to sign your name on a legal document before the prerequisites are done. Just It's so simple to not do that. And as a just-in-case, like, what time do you think you're saving by doing that? To take that stance, it wouldn't be about the time savings. It would be about the letting it automatically happen on someone else's call. So there are other situations where, like, you might sign over a, a power of attorney form should you become unconscious so that way somebody can make decisions while you're in the hospital. So this isn't unheard of in legal forms. It's just that these people are liars and full of shit. And if they won, they would have gotten control of the United States. If they lost, they would get thrown in prison for fraud and treason. And they just wanted to dodge that. Or at least that seems obvious to me. Oh, yeah, they're doing all sorts of clear dodging. How can they maximize the chances of successful treason while minimizing the risk? So the January 6th committee, they have subpoenaed Lorraine Pellegrino relating to the signing of the of the, the votes that was submitted to Congress. In addition to Lorraine Pellegrino, Nancy Cottle was also subpoenaed. I didn't look too closely at Nancy Cottle. I presume it's just more of the same. Mid to low level Republican. Yeah, signing a document that they shouldn't have signed, certifying results in a different direction than what was legitimate. Hmm. Uh, the only other person I can think of note was uh, Christina Bob, who's a host on OAN, on One American News. Mm-hmm. So she uh, she helped with some of the legal strategy and planning with Rudy Giuliani when the fake electors plan was first coming up. And then she also created a nonprofit group to gather funds to help pay for recounts and pay for other events like the Cyber Ninjas audit. So my source for that one is the Daily Beast, and they have another source that they are citing because they're very left-leaning. But you're not going to get a lot of news for this, you know, uh, illegal stuff Rudy Giuliani's doing on Fox News. To demonstrate more of how entangled this uh, news anchor was in on the scheme, Rudy Giuliani demanded veto power over any scoops that she came across that she, that she wanted to broadcast. So not only was she in on this plan for electors, but she was changing the content of what was on her show based on what was good or bad for Rudy and his plan to try to overthrow, which is really weird and screwed up. I don't know how you can lie about that and claim to be news at all and totally destroys OAN's credibility if you thought it had any yeah, at this point. There's been a long chain of destroying, of OAN specifically, destroying OAN's credibility. So... Well, that was kind of rapid fire. We just threw a lot of stuff out there because we don't have a cohesive story to tell on this piece yet. Yeah, right? it's still unfolding. I mean, we know a ton, but there's just like so many pieces of evidence, so many documents, so many things that have come out. It's just overwhelming, right? I wouldn't say it's overwhelming yet, but there is a lot. I, I don't know how to piece all this together into a bigger narrative, just this Rudy Giuliani piece of information, but we'll, we'll get there. It does make the whole GN6 narrative fit together better. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that Rudy started off with a plan to segue or to, to work with Trump constantly lying about the elections not being secure. Then these fake electors were supposed to happen and they were supposed to use the crowd outside on Jan 6. They wanted to get the crowd riled up to urge Pence into physical or to urge Pence to do what they wanted with physical violence. This is my current 
assessment of it, which could be wrong. There's other ways this could have played. Yeah. It's hard to say that there is a singular person at the top pulling all the strings. Although it did. Trump? (sighs) He just gave Uh, me this look like, shut up, Squeaky. That's fucking stupid. Well, I I know a lot of people would disagree with me on this, but really, I think Trump is just a sock puppet, (laughs) honestly. But the specifically the coordination for the state electors, the fake electors that is involved in the, the actual legal side of trying to overturn the election, and then the political pressure side of it, organizing demonstrations. We have good evidence saying that the demonstrations are connected. We have good evidence to suggest that the, the legal stuff is connected. But like where exactly the, those two intersect we have not as great information yeah it's my understanding roger stone is all over the demonstrations and over a lot of the extremist groups rudy's in charge of a lot of the legal stuff then the republican party is just going along with and vaguely supporting wherever party officials are well positioned to help and you could have two people completely independent of each other trying to figure out what exactly they can do best and having these things form independently of one another sort of a standalone complex of coups and treason it could happen or they could have a more cohesive structure of people organizing things and that's the part that's not perfectly clear so if it is this standalone complex where just a bunch of people all decided to sort of go the same direction because it seemed like a bright idea does it really change how we should approach it if it were a single criminal we'd arrest the criminal and put them on trial so why don't we just arrest all these people because they're criminals and put them on trial (laughs) I do think that it changes how people interpret the events. People respond more strongly to individual masterminds with a face than multiple middle minds with faces. (laughs) Middle minds? That's brilliant. So how people respond is the big difference. Of course, if somebody does something illegal, they'll be tried, punished, sent to jail as appropriate. All that's the same regardless. You're right. But how seriously people take this and how reactive we want to be to prevent a repeat, I do think that's going to change a little bit based well, on what it is. That's why I wasn't asking that we, like, lynch them all or anything. I don't, I don't want to see these people. Okay, I do want to see them hang. But really, I don't think that's what we should be doing. We should be getting these people arrested, getting prosecutors to individually pick charges. And I don't think that it's for us podcasters to say what the hell these people should be going to jail for. I mean, things vaguely related to treason. But yeah, if there was one single mastermind, he should be punished. But it's not like we wouldn't punish the mastermind's lieutenants. Sure. No. Yeah, we don't actually disagree on anything here, I don't think. Right. Just, I don't know, you're, you're focusing on specific results and I'm saying to get results, you know, political will and pressure from the populace and we'll get more pressure with a mastermind than multiple uh, little minds. I see what you're saying. No, that to- that totally makes sense. That's why things like yesterday, arrest Trump now was trending on Twitter. Hmm. It would be hard to make a single hashtag that's arrest these 14 people who all kind of were bad and led to stochastic terrorism and an accidental coup. It doesn't exactly flow. Yeah, that's difficult to make flow. Yeah. <laughs> yup. Yup. Let's actually do the outro this time. Supported by Ren. Offset your carbon footprint. See the link in the show notes. Supported by ABK Customs. Get a quality custom gaming computer and give them code evidence for 10% off. Thanks to Kaldar for video and graphics work. And thanks to AlphaWolf294 for transcription. Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Our supporters at the evidence investigator level or higher include Jared, Ducktape, Keldar, and Stephen Larrabee. 
Thanks for listening, and don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. If you aren't sure where to do that, read the show notes, transcripts, and listen online at disevidentia.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash disevidentia. We have a subreddit, r slash disevidentia. You can tweet at us at disevidentia. Chat with us on our Discord server, link in the show notes. You can also watch our episode on YouTube, link in the show notes. And you can email us at contact at disevidentia.com. Copyright 2022, Blacktop Studios, Inc. Intro music was Slow by Pit X, used with permission.